Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. The thing that you are maybe most afraid of about yourself might be the thing that sets you free and it might be the thing that connects you to a community that you didn't know that you had and needed hey my name is jenna kutcher and i am obsessed with all things business marketing numbers and helping you to navigate both the messy and the magical seasons of this thing called life I'm a small town mama who took a $300 camera, grew a successful photo biz, and now I work from home and run a seven-figure online business. I teach you the tried and true secrets to building a career you adore. Shy away from the real talk? (laughs) No way. Money, hardship, growth, loss, and marketing are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as your one-stop shop for happy hour with a gal pal mixed with business school. Pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. This is the Gold Digger Podcast. The last time I saw Allie Stroker, she made me cry. (laughs) True story, I was sitting in the audience at the Airy Summit in Brooklyn before the world shut down. She was on stage singing a moving and motivational rendition of A Natural Woman. Seeing someone doing what they were so clearly meant to do with their lives made me so emotional. And Allie Stroker was so clearly meant to be on stage, entertaining, inspiring, and moving everyone who watches her. Allie believes our limitations can be turned into opportunities, and she continues to build a career on stage and on screen in face of those perceived limitations. This will be a conversation about being the first at something, finding your identity, harnessing limitations and turning them into opportunities, and pivotal learning moments throughout her career as a woman with a disability in the entertainment industry. I have long awaited the chance to introduce her to you on this show. So here she is, my friend, Allie Stroker. Thanks to Wondery for supporting the Gold Digger podcast. In the newest season of Wondery's Business Wars podcast, Instagram versus TikTok, they track the war between the two social media giants. You can listen to the new season on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Thanks to Headspace for supporting Gold Digger. Life can be stressful even under normal circumstances. 2020 has further challenged even the most difficult times of life. For a free one-month trial, go to headspace.com slash gold digger. 
All right, Allie, we have been working on this for so long. And the fact that we finally get to have this conversation and the world gets to listen in is literally such a gift. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. This means so much because first of all, you're one of my favorite people in the world. And second of all, your podcast has helped me so much over the past year. Oh, that means so much to me. It's kind of wild, Allie, because it literally feels like a lifetime ago that we were together. And do you remember singing A Natural Woman? And I swear we locked eyes and I am just like bawling (laughs) on the stage. And I'm like, how much do I need to pay to like have this front row seat for life? Like it was just, it feels like forever ago, doesn't it? Yes. And I have one other like favorite Jenna Alley moments at the event that we were at in January, you and I hit the dance floor so hard and I watched you dance and I was like, Oh no, she did not. And we started dancing and it was like, I connected with my like dancing partner, my soul dancing partner. I mean, it was just like heaven on earth. Oh, it was the best. You know, we've had a lot of just like really unique moments. And I'm just so looking forward to this conversation for so many reasons. But for people who haven't experienced you and your magic yet, tell everyone who you are and what you do. Okay. My name is Allie and I am an actress and a singer and a dancer and an advocate for the disabled community. And when I was two years old, I was injured in a car accident with my mom and my brother and I became paralyzed from the chest down and I use a wheelchair for mobility. And when I was seven, I was introduced to musical theater and it was the moment that changed my life forever because the identity of being a little girl with a wheelchair was really heavy. And when I found performing and when I learned what it felt like to be on stage, I felt like my whole entire life could be positive and it could get better. And There was just this very specific thing that happened. As a little girl with a disability, I was really used to people staring at me. And when I got on stage, people were staring at me, but for a different reason. And I felt really powerful. And I became kind of addicted to that feeling that I could flip this whole thing on its head and being stared at didn't have to be something that made me feel small. It could make me feel huge. And so I knew I wanted to be on Broadway and I knew that I wanted to be a performer and I knew I wanted to do it for the rest of my life. And so I started to take voice lessons and I started to get involved with all of our hometown theater, you know, community theater companies and school shows. And then I went to NYU and did theater. And after NYU, I was on the Glee Project and Glee. And I'm sharing the highlights, the hits right now. (laughs) There's lots of in between about me. But I made my Broadway debut in 2015 and became the first person in a wheelchair to ever appear on Broadway. And then in 2019, I played Ada Annie in the revival of Oklahoma and won a Tony Award for Best Supporting Actress and made history as the first person 
in a wheelchair to win a Tony Award. And there are so many in-between moments, Jenna, of like real frustration, really, really, really challenged pain. And I... I would never be where I am without those moments as well. So I I feel really, really fortunate to be in this body, in this life. I never, ever feel like this was an accident. I feel like I was always meant to be the way I am. And I am learning all the lessons I need to learn in this life being disabled. You know, it was interesting, Allie, because when I recorded your intro, the word limitations popped up and I almost paused because when I think of my friend Allie, I don't see any sort of limitation. And it almost kind of took me aback because I think the key word is perceived. And when I think of you, I'm like, gosh, Allie is the first, the first of so many different things. And you've turned those perceived limitations into real opportunities, which has become kind of your motto. And so I want to know, like, what did you have to learn about yourself to fully embrace that mindset? Well, first of all, I think living with limitations, and I'll be very specific, I am paralyzed. And so I cannot move or feel 75% of my body. And so the world is not always made for me and my abilities. Therefore, you know, growing up and going to school, I had to go to a certain elementary school because it was the one that was wheelchair accessible. And I had to go to a certain middle school because it was one that was wheelchair accessible. And when we went on field trips as a little kid, I had to go on a bus that had a lift. And when the kids were having birthday parties at their houses and it wasn't accessible, sometimes I wasn't even invited. These are limitations that I felt like just kind of they rocked me because I so badly wanted to be included. And as a kid, I wanted to be like everybody else. Being different was not something that I liked. And then as I got a little bit older and I also won the lottery with like the best parents on the planet and they continued to tell me day after day, year after year that being different was better than being like everybody else. And they said, Allie, you can do anything you set your heart and your mind to. And I, you know, I I also feel really fortunate that I found something that I loved to do as a kid. And so I just became, you know, a lot of times people are like, you know, keep your eyes open to the different opportunities. In many ways, I had my blinders on. And I put my focus on the things that I could do instead of the things that I couldn't do. And this was really, really helpful. And then once I started working professionally, I realized that my wheelchair and my disability was an asset because being different is really cool. And having my my life experience makes me different and brings something new and fresh to the table every single time. And I also learned that there are things I cannot do. And to know those things is to love those things. I don't know. I don't know if that makes any sense, but keep diving in on that. That is so good. So I, 
I love that I cannot do certain things because it has forced me to find ways to either do them or to find different doors that open. And I am forced to be creative every single day. And with that creativity, I think it makes my mind stronger and it makes me more open as a human being. And that's how I want to be. (laughs) That's the woman that I want to be. I think that's such a crucial reminder for every single listener in that when you know the things that maybe you're not great at or you can't do or you're not interested in doing, it kind of gives you this permission to really embrace your superpower and go full steam ahead on that instead of trying to do all the things or be all things to all people. I think that's awesome. Thank you. I agree. And I think that so often our limitations are the things that we think are going to hold us back. Yeah. And I think shifting that mindset and allowing yourself to believe that the thing that you are maybe most afraid of about yourself might be the thing that sets you free. And it might be the thing that connects you to a community that you didn't know that you had and needed. Yes. Oh my gosh. I want to know what were some of the pivotal moments of learning and growth that led you to this point in your career? Because you have done things that were probably on your mental vision board as a child. And so what were some of those pivotal moments for you? Well, the first one was when I went off to NYU and I was living in New York City. I grew up in New Jersey, so it wasn't super far from home, but it was the first time that I was out of my bubble and I started to realize that people were curious about who I was and my story Mm -hmm. and why I was in a chair. And I was pursuing a field, musical theater, where there were no other people with disabilities. So there was, there were a lot of questions and at NYU, they had never worked with a student in a wheelchair. And so they were very nervous about allowing me to do certain things in the program. And they didn't want me to take the dance classes at first. And as you know, I love to dance. dance. (laughs) (laughs) And I knew that I had abilities that I could use in these classes. And they did not know that about me because they did not know me yet, but they were afraid. And I realized in that moment that there are going to be people on this journey who are fearful and want to, you know, shy away from giving me opportunities. And it's not my job to change their mind, but I have made it my job to communicate and stay patient and find ways to open up those doors. So for example, in the dance classes, they didn't want me to take them. I knew I wanted to take them. So I spent the first few weeks observing the classes, which was excruciating to watch around like, I can do this. I'm going to do it differently, but I can do this. Yep. And then I started to do the warmups and something really beautiful happened, Jenna, when I was doing the warmups, everyone else in the room started dancing 
better and harder and giving more effort and energy and enthusiasm. And it was like, it allowed everyone else to feel like you don't have to be self-conscious in your body because there's a lot of different kinds of bodies in this room. And, you know, by the second year of my NYU experience, I had the teachers saying to me, Allie, we trust you. You can do whatever you want. You can take whatever courses you want. So it takes time and being the first and doing something, you know, being someone to do something first, it's going to take a lot longer than you want it to. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You know, I graduated from NYU and Glee had hit the air and I wanted to be on Glee. I remember auditioning and then not hearing anything from the casting office or the creators of the show for three years. And oh my then, gosh. Oh yeah. And then I auditioned for the Glee project, which is not the show. It's, it was a reality show where you competed for a role on Glee. And I got on that show, which then led me to Glee. So you know, the way that you think you're going to achieve your dreams and your goals may change. You might have to go down one way in order to get there that you never expected. And I just kept learning that like, Ali, don't resist this process, this journey, like Mm. this is all a part of it. And I feel like there were a lot of moments of, oh my gosh, like, I don't know if this is going to happen, but I don't care how long it takes. You know, Mm -hmm. I want to be on Broadway. If I'm 60 years old and I'm on Broadway, that's fine. And then it happened in 2015 where I made my Broadway debut. And it was just like, wow, this is happening. Like I am achieving these things. But it also isn't without realizing that I had to not only like be on my game and always be prepared and ready, but I had to work really, really, really hard. And that's Mm -hmm. another piece of it that I have had to work way harder than I ever thought I could. I, you Mm -hmm. know, with having limitations, sometimes I have felt like, man, like, can my body do this? You know, like, I am doing everything physically from the chest up. And so I, by the end of the day, I'm sore. I'm tired. It's a lot to push around New York City and get myself from point A to point B. And there were moments of like, I don't know if my body can do this. But then really believing that I was meant to do this. And that also helped me realize that, okay, It's okay that you are in a place of, you know, physical pain. It's okay that you're exhausted. Keep at it. Take a break. Get right back on the horse and keep going, Allie. I want to know, Allie, because you have accomplished some of those like biggest, boldest dreams of your life. What does it feel like when you've checked those off your list? Is there any sort of fear that like your best work is behind you or do you feel just propelled forward? Yeah, there is fear a little bit of like, I won a Tony award when I was 32 years old. I don't want that to be, I don't want that to be the height of my 
life and then and then for everything else to you know be downhill now i don't want that and and i know you know that's you know like all of us like that's a moment of fear and a moment of like okay, I know that. And I know I don't want that. So now what am I going to do to make sure? And I think one of the biggest kind of changes for me after that happened was to really have a closer look on the quality of what I was doing Mm -hmm. and the quality of my work, that it wasn't just like hustle, 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 hustle. It was like, okay, pause. Is this a project that I really care about that I really am going to wake up every morning and want to do not, you know, cause I used to be like, I just want to be a part of it. I just want to be included. Yeah. You know, for me winning that award was, I took that as a moment of the Broadway community and the entertainment industry saying, yes, Allie, you're a part of us and we are celebrating you and what you do because what you do is unlike what anyone else does and to keep going, keep doing this, keep going. And that for me was a huge confidence boost that I belonged in a way. And that is something that I am very sensitive to because again, being a child, being a teenager, being, you know, someone in their twenties, someone in their early thirties in a wheelchair, sometimes you don't know where you belong. And that is kind of another conversation. And that comes down to representation, which is one of my passions because let's talk about it. Because as a kid, I did not have it. Like I was looking around for an older girl or or a woman in a wheelchair and I did not see them. We didn't have social media where you can find someone who's like you, who's 10 years ahead of you and you can look to them every day or monthly for inspiration. I didn't have that. So a huge part of, you know, what kind of lights my fire and keeps me wanting to work really hard is representation. And that's for children for teenage girls and boys in chairs for 20 somethings who are like, can I date? Can I have a relationship? I have a disability. I don't see myself in these love stories. I don't see myself in these rom-coms. Those are the things that I remember. I just needed so much. And it is one of the things that I really want to create. Now I want to create that kind of content. Yes. Well, you are already doing it in so many different ways. And I want to know, you know, along that same thread, what is a change that you hope to see in the coming years? Like, let's say we wake up five years from now. What is something that you hope is just a new norm? I hope that disability is a part of the mainstream media. I hope that the numbers are like staggering, Jenna, one in four Americans identify with having some kind of disability. And yet the representation on television, in movies, on stage is like so low. It doesn't match the actual statistics at all. And so I just hope that there is more content, more stories, more narratives, more leaders with disabilities. Because I, I think at some point in everyone's life, they're going to deal with something with their health that's going to change their ability. It's part of being human. And yet 
I feel still there's this huge divide where most people who are not disabled label disability as inspiring or, mm-hmm. you know, or, or it's a shame, right? That somebody yeah. has to live their life with a disability. You know, what could they have done? And I just really want that narrative to change because yeah. Not only is it not helpful for the world and for people who are able-bodied, it's not helpful for the disabled community. It's not yeah. it's not helpful for me to just be labeled as inspirational when I'm out grocery shopping. That's confusing. Yeah. I'm just living my life. I'm living my life the way that I do things. I want to be seen as your equal. Yeah. And I think that it is more comfortable for people to label as inspirational because it keeps them apart. And I, you know, since this is, you know, a conversation that we're putting out into the world, I challenge anybody who's listening to think about when they are faced with someone with a disability, what's their first gut response? Yeah. And just be aware of it, not to judge it. It's not right or wrong to just be aware of it, to be aware of the way we perceive someone who is physically different than ourselves. And mm-hmm. I do the same thing. I'm like, I'm in a chair, but that doesn't mean that sometimes when I'm faced with certain kinds of disabilities, I have discomfort or I'm afraid I'm going to say something wrong. Yeah. That is normal and real. But if we can look at those things and ask ourselves why and educate ourselves and expose ourselves to more content, then things will change. So that's why I think representation is sort of the key into this change I would like to see. Mm, I love that. We're actually doing a team training for my team tomorrow on bias And I think it's just such a cool topic and it's a challenging topic to dive into because it really asks you to reveal, you know, what was my first exposure to something or how was Mm -hmm. I taught about this? And Mm -hmm. I think especially as a new mom, it makes me pause a lot and think, okay, how do I want to expose Coco to certain things that she will likely or for sure encounter in her life? And how Mm -hmm. do I want her to feel about them? And I, I have a question for you is, what are ways that we as adults or even as parents can kind of guide that next generation to be more open and to see things as equals and not to say, oh, what a shame or any of those comments that you've likely heard that are just like a dig. How do we navigate those those discussions and integrate that into just our normal life? So one of the things that I see with parents is that young kids are really curious about disability and they point and they ask maybe loudly like, mommy, why is she (laughs) in a wheelchair? And so often I see parents say, shh, or they Mm -hmm. pull them away. They shut it down. And I don't think that's the right way to handle it. And the reason we shut it down is because we don't want to be rude, right? Because we're taught that it's rude to point and stare. However, I think it goes deeper than that. I think it brings up discomfort in the parents. Mm -hmm. 
because they don't know how to talk about disability in front of somebody with a disability. Yes. So, (laughs) So my suggestion is this. When your child is curious about disability, you normalize the conversation. Yep. Yeah. So it's not, you know, pulling a child away because they're sort of wandering over to someone with a wheelchair. I think it's holding their hand and guiding them to, you know, sometimes kids have space issues where they sort of like, <laughs> come up people. so, you know, but to not create fear and to normalize it. And if Coco has a question in front of somebody who has a visible disability or not a visible disability, you can say, you know, Coco, like they have a disability or, or whatever language you want to use, because that's another thing. People are really, you know, strong, like, don't say this, don't say that. My thing is, I think, first of all, we use the word handicapped for parking and for bathrooms and for entrances. We don't use it for humans. And then for humans, we say that is a person with a disability instead of mm-hmm. a disabled person. And I have used the word differently abled at times. Yes. I've used people with different abilities because sometimes I get just get sick of the word disabled. And I just am like, yeah. We have different abilities. And so I think my kid was asking, I would say that person has a different ability than you and me and that person. And then you give them the label, whether they are blind or they are deaf or they have, but you know, that person has down syndrome. I don't think that we need to make those things into bad words. They're not, they are what we are as disabled people. Have you ever seen a two-year-old meditate? Every morning, Coco and I take our seats, crisscross applesauce on the bed, and she puts her little hands in mine as Headspace leads us through special one-minute meditations for toddlers. There's lots of wiggling, but she loves taking deep breaths. You've probably seen them on Instagram and placing her hands on her belly as she does her own special version of meditation. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app for whatever your situation may be. Overwhelmed? Headspace has three-minute SOS meditations for you. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions that I'm a personal fan of. And of course, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kiddos. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being, and it's all through clinically validated research. Headspace is meditation made simple. Head to headspace.com slash golddigger. That's headspace.com slash golddigger for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations filled for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash golddigger today and get a free one-month trial. Okay, I've got a podcast recommendation for you. So write this down or type it into the app where you're listening to Gold Digger. It's called Business Wars, and it's different than any other business show out there. The newest season is a critical look at TikTok versus Instagram and the all-out race for tech entrepreneurs to cash in on our social media world. TikTok has become one of the most popular apps on the planet within the last couple of years, being one of the most influential social media platforms, even impacting the music industry. 
Despite the pushback against the app, TikTok is still going strong and giving Instagram very close competition. This season of Business Wars will touch on the founding of both apps and their history to date in reaching their top status in the social media world. Business Wars is as entertaining as it is informative, and as someone who creates and teaches in the social media space, I'm finding the well-researched and reported episodes to be incredibly engaging. Listen to the newest season of Business Wars TikTok versus Instagram on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. I think this is so important to have this debate. And our mutual friend, Brenna Huckabee, actually does a really great job, too, of educating with her prosthetic. And she always says, too, like, they have a magic leg that helps them run and do all the things that you can do. And, you know, it's just interesting because I, I do think it reflects more on the parents' inability to vocalize or communicate in a way that opens up the conversation. And I think those conversations are so beneficial for all involved. So thanks for guiding through that. I didn't even plan on asking that, but that was so helpful. Of course. course. I want to know, this is kind of a different question, but I know that the idea of an audition is so nerve wracking for so many people. So (laughs) what advice do you have for anyone with an audition, whether it's a job interview or they're pitching to a business or any other experience that relies on this performance to kind of prove and show your value and worth? Tell me about this. So the first thing is preparation. Yes. This is something we can control. There's going to be a lot of things you can't control in those auditions, interviews, you know, it's the preparation is something you have control over. And so if you know, you have an interview a week out, it's not about becoming a student and like staying up till four o'clock in the morning to study. I don't think it's that deep, but begin to think about First of all, if you are in an audition and you have material that you need to prepare, like start preparing it more than a day before. I mean, we're all much better when we have time for all of the material to sink in. And if it's not, you know, set material that you are auditioning with, if it's an interview and you're talking about yourself, I think it's really important to know your story. The reason why I feel so strongly about this is that if you don't have... I use this phrase, hosting your own party, Mm. but you come into a room and you don't know your story or you don't know who you are. You are vulnerable to let other people tell you who you are. And that doesn't feel good. And I have felt that so strongly, especially having a disability. I set the tone about how people feel about me in a room. I also love to talk about my disability in a room because I am then giving everybody the permission to take a deep breath. We can breathe and we can be comfortable with my wheelchair. It's in the room. It's going to be here with us. If you want to hire me, it's going to be a part of your every day. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So preparation, knowing your story and who you are, and that might change depending on what interview or audition you're going into. In some auditions, you're not going to talk about yourself necessarily, but your story is always with you. And so I also do like a lot of car work, which I... 
you know about this. <laughs> it's really helpful to practice in the car. Okay, okay, okay. I'm, I'm okay, jacking. So, I, I do this so, in the shower. So you're the yeah. car, I'm the shower. <laughs> yes. So like, if you have material that you need to do in this audition or this interview, practice in the car. Like, it's your own space where you can mess up. You can like, you can try things out. You can try something that might be like crazy to actually do. Something about the car is like a safe bubble. And then, and then the last piece of advice I have about this, you know, specific question is that when you're done, stay in your lane. So when the audition, the interview is over, it's not your job to then hire yourself or even critique yourself. You've done your work. Let it go. Let it go. You've done everything that you can do that's in your control. Hopefully you've done your best in that room. And now it's not in your hands. It's in someone else's. So let it go. That is so freeing. That permission alone almost feels like a giant exhale, which is what we probably all collectively need right now, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, I want to know, Allie, how has this year been for you with so many changes, with so many things just closing down, with your job kind of shifting? Talk to me about navigating 2020. Wow. I would never have expected that this is how 2020 would have gone. I mean, wow. So I finished Oklahoma on Broadway at the end of January 2020. And I needed a break so desperately. Like, I needed a full stop. And I did not take it after I finished the show. I just kept going because there was all this momentum behind me. And it felt like, I can't stop now. But then come mid-March when everything started to get canceled. And then when Broadway got canceled, which was just sort of like crazy for my industry. Because Broadway doesn't shut down. Broadway is open rain or shine and so that real moment of like whoa everything is being canceled and I took a deep breath and I stopped in a way that I needed probably like for 15 years like Mm. I needed to stop I needed to know that I didn't have to be anywhere tomorrow you know I take a lot of pride in making my life look easy, but physically like it's a workout every day. Like I've been working hard. I was living in New York city. I was transferring in and out of Ubers, pushing myself up and down blocks, going to auditions and events and, you know, trying to, you know, in, in so many ways, stay healthy and happy, but working my tail off. And I just, I just needed it so much. So as weird as the world was changing and scary, you know, I was living in New York and we realized that we didn't want to stay and we left and we went to Cape Cod for two and a half Mm -hmm. months. I needed it. I needed to stop. And I took that time 
to continue to stay busy and engaged and and stay creatively involved. And me and David were able to find creative ways. David is my fiance. And we were able to find ways to stay kind of creative and, and inspired with each other and our theater company. But, you know, physically we were inside in the house and it was, yeah. it was a gift. It was a gift. Then this summer came and things sort of got a little bit, you know, crazy. Tell me about that. <laughs> uh, well, I, we came back to the city and it was very clear that like our industry was not back at all. And as an actor, you know, you rely on auditions and, and jobs to make your living. Um, so we were sort of like, okay, what are we doing now? And I was really fortunate to get this movie in Canada and the numbers were really low. And I was a little bit nervous because I knew that I wasn't going to be wearing the mask when I was on camera. And so this production was happening and, you know, up until the last moment before I was going to drive up there and then quarantine for two weeks, we were trying to figure out all the safety things because it was all new. Like yeah. they were, they were still figuring all of it out. And I ended up shooting this Christmas movie that I'm really excited is coming out on Lifetime in December and it's called Christmas Ever After. And that was just oh. a beautiful, beautiful gift of like, here's a little bit of work and an opportunity to like get to do what you do. And I, you know, I, I loved it and I had a really great time, but now we're in this next season and my industry is not really back still. Broadway announced that they're not going to be back till May 31st, 2021. Whoa. And that's, that's a big deal. That's a lot of jobs. And for New York, it's a big deal because New York you know, Midtown, it feels like, it feels like a movie. It feels like a movie set where like, you know, where like nobody's working. It's bizarre. So I will continue to stay busy. And if I'm not busy, I will make opportunities. I will make things happen because that's who I am. But I am reflecting a little bit in the past few weeks of feeling the impact of not having my industry back working. And I really feel for my friends who, you know, have not worked at all and are, you know, so badly sort of wanting to feel their identity as a working professional Mm. actor. But I do, I, you know, because of my life and because of who I am, I really believe that when we do get back, we're going to be stronger than ever. And we're going to be creating such beautiful work. Yes. And and in the meantime, these moments of, you know, not being able to work out in person, you know, I want to find opportunities, right? Take your limitation and turn it into an opportunity. So what are the opportunities right now to, you know, to create, to continue to learn? And I try to remind myself, you know, I, I, I try to live by that, you know, no matter what, not just having to do with my disability, but, you know, when I'm handed limitations, like how can I turn yeah. them into opportunities? Mm. Allie, you are so incredible. And it's so awesome because I think that so many people are kind of at this, 
you know, pause button. And it's like, when do we hit play again? And, and I think the reality is, is that when we do, it's going to be different. But like you said, I think people are going to come back stronger and more passionate and more grateful to be able to do the work that they've done before and maybe even taken for granted. So it's kind of, you know, there's this silver lining and I think we've got to keep continually seeking it out and learn the lessons we're meant to learn that this year has been such a teacher in, right? Absolutely. And I wanted to just add one other piece about asking and receiving help right now is so huge. And I have kind of this intimate relationship with needing help and receiving help because of my disability and being in a wheelchair. And when you ask for help or when you need help, it's not just for you. It's a gift for someone else because we love to help others. We are all that first grader who wants to like erase the chalkboard for the teacher. We all have that inside of ourselves, that inner child that just wants to be helpful. And so sometimes I think it's important to ask for help. And sometimes I think it's okay to receive help when someone asks if they can give it to you. And it's also important that you give both, that you give help and you receive help. That that is like a cycle. And, And it's important that both of those stay balanced. I really believe that. And the last part of it is like, if you're struggling right now, or you are just like, you're out of ideas. You just feel like you're up against a wall. Reach out to someone and ask them if they will just like have an inspiration, like phone call with you and talk about the things that inspire you that are exciting you right now that maybe you're excited about once you are able to get out of the house. You know, I think it's important that we, you know, ask for what we need from other people right now, even if you can't be with them. Yeah. Such an incredible way to wrap up. I never want this interview to end. (laughs) Dang it. Oh my goodness. Where can everybody find you and connect with you and see you in action and know more about you? I want everyone to just have this continual dose of you in their lives. Thank you. Well, I am on Instagram at Allie Stroker, A-L-I-S-T-R-O-K-E-R. And I am, I have a website, www.alliestroker.com. And I have Twitter and Facebook, but I do not use them as often. And I filter everything that's on Instagram to those platforms. So Instagram is the best spot to find me. Allie, thank you so much for coming on the show. This is a dream come true for me. And I'm just so grateful for you and your voice and your persistence and the way you show up in the world. You constantly just push me to be a better person. And I'm so grateful to have you in my world. Thank you. And thank you for having me. This is a dream come true to be on your podcast. And it means so much to me that you're my friend. Oh my goodness. That conversation was one I did not want to end. I am so grateful for people like Allie in our world. I know she hates the word inspiring, but she is so inspiring among a million other things. 
And having her on the show today was literally a dream come true. She is someone who continues to be the first and step into that role and be willing to take the time that it's going to take to get to where she wants to go. And I think that is such a valuable lesson for all of us. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. Until next time, keep on digging your biggest goals. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. Did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, head over to golddiggerpodcast.com for show notes and all the discount codes from today's sponsors. And if you're looking for a new crew of movers and shakers like you to bounce ideas and ask questions, be sure to join my exclusive community for gold diggers on Facebook. The link's waiting for you at golddiggerpodcast.com. 